Greetings to each and every one of you this Thanksgiving Eve. We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Even in the midst of many sorrows, especially seemingly amplified in 2020 for all of us. So many broken plans, fatigue, and a sense that evil is winning. And yet, in the midst of all these things, the blessings of God shine brightest of all. And in fact, it is these very things that lead us not only closer to God, but allow us to see more clearly the gifts He daily gives, that His mercies remain, that His mercies are new each and every day for us. As we consider Thanksgiving tonight, I have for us two prayers and a brief study of the gospel lesson we had just read. These prayers come from Johann Gerhard, about a generation after Luther. Let me begin with the first of his prayers. This is a portion of his prayer. Omnipotent, merciful God, I thank you for wonderfully preserving me from the earliest days of my life. I came into the world naked. You kindly clothed me. I entered this world hungry. You have graciously fed me. In you I live and move and have my being. Without you, I fall back to nothing and die. The sun that provides me warmth and light belongs to you. The air that I continually breathe belongs to you. The earth whose fruit nourishes me belongs to you. Everything that is necessary, you have given, and so much more. How generous are you to the whole human race. All creation teaches and instructs us. Who can number the countless and undeserved blessings you have given to each one of us and to all of us? A beautiful prayer. And notice how Gerhard begins by destroying all sense of expectation and entitlement, which we usually get when we look not to God, but beside us to our neighbors. We think, well, if so-and-so has such and such, then I should too. Our hearts become embittered. We are robbed of our thankfulness, but also we are robbed of our sense of awe, of seeing the world as a gift given, new each and every day. I love this prayer of Gerhard because while it is fairly easy to give thanks to God at mealtimes and in the Lord's Prayer, it is often difficult to sort through our many emotions, the many trials, difficulties we're going through, and get to the heart of what it means to be thankfulness. Gerhard does this so beautifully by quoting St. Paul, Naked I came into the world. Everything we are and have comes from the Lord. So the title of my homily for this Thanksgiving Eve service is God Always Has More to Give. And it is this very thing that comes forth from our gospel lesson that we read a few moments ago. As Jesus enters a village, he is approached, they stay at a distance, by, by ten lepers, and they lift up their voices, crying out to him, Jesus, Master, 
have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. We see once more that all our Lord has to do is speak, and it is done. All the power is in his word, which ought to cause us to reflect that if it seems as though evil is winning these days, it is so only because God is allowing it. It is so only because it serves God's good purposes. It is so only because he is working even these things for the good of those who love him. And the same is true for all that God allows us to experience and endure in our personal lives. We are reminded that these hardships are all temporary. And it's all according to his purpose. And as the scriptures say and promise, these present sufferings are, in fact, working an immeasurable weight of glory that we will enjoy for all eternity. How many of those lepers, do you think, would have come to Jesus that day if not for their leprosy? And so, too, we see that we can even give thanks to God for those hardships by which he calls us closer to him. While the horrors of leprosy are mostly lost on us today because it's largely curable, you don't have to think very hard to see how COVID in some respects functions like a kind of leprosy. For some people, isolating them entirely away from the community and away from church, for the rest of us even so alienating us in some respects and causing distance, an epidemic of loneliness, some people, it's just desperation for human touch. And in these respects, very much like leprosy. But in the first century, leprosy was also associated directly with God's wrath. This was true in a number of places in the Old Testament scriptures. You might remember Miriam, Moses' sister, when she complained against him and rebelled and thought that she could lead just as well as he could. God struck her with leprosy. So to Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, got into a little greedy action, and God punished him with leprosy. And then Uzziah, king of Israel, who had a long and successful reign, but let his pride lead him into the temple where he thought he was able to uh, offer the incense, just as the priests had done. And so he, he did so without God's command, and he was struck with leprosy. There's lots of other examples as well, but the point is that leprosy carried with it the idea of God's wrath and displeasure. So when these 10 lepers cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, it is a rather profound prayer. It's not merely heal us in our bodies, but take away from us the wrath of God. Restore us to God. And here, too, we glimpse the heart of our Savior Jesus. Not only is he strong and able to save, but he's willing to. And more broadly, we see that as Jesus lifts the curse for these ten, we see a microcosm, a small picture of how it is that he will lift the curse for all of us. 
Even though it's a rather rudimentary point, it does us well to remember this as frequently as we can. The good world that God first had made had no leprosy, had no coronavirus, had no heart disease or cancer or Parkinson's or depression. There was no disease of body or mind. Only after sin, only after our rebellion against God, distancing ourselves from the one who is life, only then did these curses befall us. So what does it mean for Jesus to lift the curse? It means that in lifting it for others, he must bear that curse himself. St. Paul points this out in Galatians chapter 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. We rebelled against God by eating from a tree, and we received the curse. And so it is on a tree that Jesus dies in order to lift the curse. Every healing that Jesus performs throughout his ministry is a glimpse of what will soon be universal. St. Paul directs us to this very thought, for in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. As Jesus lifts the curse for these ten lepers, we glimpse that day when he will lift the curse for all of us forever. The resurrection of our bodies, perfect healing of our bodies, perfect healings of our, healing of our mind, perfect healing of our souls. The new heavens and the new earth, all things set right. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, they prayed. And that's our prayer too. As the leopards, as leopards, there you go. I finally slipped and said it. They're lepers, not leopards. As the lepers heard the voice of Jesus and obeyed the voice of Jesus, they were healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. We're not ten cleansed, Jesus asks. Where are the nine? But I have long thought and still think that it wasn't their thanklessness that Jesus was concerned with. After all, he says nothing about it, their thanklessness. Rather, he says, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. At least that's what the English says. The Greek says something a bit more profound. Your faith has saved you. Why did Jesus ask about those nine? Why did he want for them to return to him? He wanted much more for them than the mere temporary healing of their bodies. He wanted the healing of their souls. He wanted to give them the gift of faith, that faith which would save them for all eternity. You see, God always has more to give. With Jesus, there is always more. And that's true for us, too. He desires that we would continue to grow in our knowledge of him, 
in our perception of him and in our becoming like him, like father, like sons. Your faith has saved you, Jesus says to the leper. And no offense to St. Paul, but what he spends many chapters writing about in Romans and Galatians, for example, Jesus manages to say in a single sentence, your faith has saved you. Not your faith plus your works. Not your faith plus your thankfulness. No, your faith, your faith alone has saved you. We are called to simply believe the word and promises of God. We are simply called to believe that what God says is true. Faith in God. Faith in his word. This is, as the Lutheran confessions say, the highest form of worship and praise and thanksgiving that we human beings can give. There is no greater thankfulness than we can have or express than to simply believe, to hear the word of the Lord and say, Amen. Well, as I said from the beginning, two prayers and the gospel text. Two down, one to go. A final prayer from Johann Gerhard, John Gerhard, and I hope it's your prayer as well. Kindest Father, I am that prodigal child who squandered his inheritance in extravagant living. I have polluted all the gifts you have given me. I have even rejected the gifts of your grace. Yet when I come to you again, destitute and hungry, you feed me with the bread of your grace. When naked and unable to look up to you for shame, you clothe me again with the robe of righteousness. Having mercy on me, you attend to me yourself. You embrace my shameful body and kiss my unclean lips. You have embraced me with Christ and kissed me with your Holy Spirit. You have done more than kill a fatted calf. You set a table of forgiveness and mercy before me, won by the death of your own beloved Son. Polluted by so many sins, covered by so many faults, corrupted by so many iniquities, how often I have closed the door of my heart to you when you knocked. How often I have closed my ears so that I would not hear your voice when you called. But your grace is more abundant than all my transgressions and faults. You receive me with outstretched arms. You hide all my iniquities from your face. You cast all my sins behind you. You do not perceive my uncleanness. You receive me with full embrace in fatherly mercy and love. For this immeasurable kindness and goodness, I will give you thanks for all eternity. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is our prayer. This is our thanksgiving. For this is our God, the only true God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a most blessed thanksgiving to you all. Amen.